we can all stand, we can all worship. <laughs> uh, Father, we just thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you that you are good, Lord, and your faithfulness lasts, Lord, from generation to generation. So, Lord, we just come into your presence with thanksgiving, and we enter your courts with praise, Lord. We lift up just your name this morning, Jesus. We love you. We honor you. We worship you, Jesus. You are highly exalted, Lord. And so we're just lifting up a shout of praise this morning because you're worthy of it all, Jesus. And so, Lord, we're just excited to come into your presence, Lord, as little kids, just excited about who you are, about, excited about your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord. So we just love you this morning, Father, and may we pour our worship out on you. Sing with me, how great is I. 
to my soul. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Your name is like honey on my lips. Your spirit's like water to
Jesus in 
crying angels fall face down on the floor all to echo holy is the lord my heart can't help but sing with all of heaven to echo home. 
among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. He calls us to search him out, but there are so many. They're so full. He is so full. He's so big. The unsearchable riches. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus to the intent that now everyone just say now with me now we're partnering with this now in this time this is for us to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we, again, this is for us, that's a we for us, let's just say we, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. We have boldness and access. We have access to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, to our mighty Savior, our good Father, the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have access 
Lord, let us access your presence all the time. Let us walk in your presence. Let us not forget. Let us not get distracted. Let us remember that you are holy, holy, holy. And that you say we can come in and access your presence to be in that throne room. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, that's us, according to the riches of his glory, not our riches, not our, not our work, not our, not our best, not our gifts and talents and abilities, it's according to his riches, his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. This time of worship is strengthening our spirit men, women. Our spirit is being strengthened through this time of encounter with him. Every time we encounter him, it's a strengthening. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, not just blowing back and forth, not tossed by every wind and every wave, We are rooted and grounded in his love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Lord, let us know your love. More and more it surpasses, it goes beyond all our knowledge all our thoughts of what love is, all the thoughts that the world puts out there, what love is. Your love is so much higher, so much greater, so much purer. That we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Lord, you want us to be filled. Fill us today, Lord. Fill us with your fullness. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. We invite you in this time of communion, this time of connection with you. Fill us with all the fullness of you. And I love this ending. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Another version says, Now to all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church and every generation through Christ Jesus and all that will yet be manifest through time and destiny. Lord, we just come before you as your children and you say that we have access And it's the access through the blood of Jesus, through his body that was broken for us. And in this time of of taking communion, that we're not just doing a little thing as we know, but this is actually part of that access 
This is celebrating the access, celebrating the freedom that we get in Jesus, the freedom that came through his body being broken, through his blood being shed. And Lord, I just thank you that you are touching each body as we take this. You're touching our physical bodies, our our mental, spiritual, uh, just all of who we are that we connect with you. Spirit, soul, and body, our mind, our will, and our emotions, we submit to you and we surrender to you and we ask you, Lord Jesus, to just cleanse our mind, cleanse our body by your blood. Thank you, Lord. We just sanctify us, sanctify these elements in the name of Jesus as the body and blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's part of the mystery revealed, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just partake together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your body. healing of our minds. Thank you, Jesus. We just partake right now. Thank you, Jesus. For those who know him, there's such life. Such life. And just declare in 2023, fresh and new, this verse that we've heard so many times. So many times, but let it never become old. May it always be fresh. May it always be fresh to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, infinitely above, infinitely more, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. just piggybacking off of those verses, just recognizing that as we step into that of stepping into him who gives us those things that are exceedingly abundant, all that we can ask or think, um, this coming Friday for those who are a part of the Daniel class, we'll continually be stepping in and asking the Lord for those things that we don't understand those things that we are looking for more abundant to step in and press into his heart of what are you sharing with us for this time right now? What do you want to speak to us? So for those of you that are part of the Daniel class, we'll be having it this Friday at 7 p.m. Please make sure that you read through up to chapter 4 so that we can just gather together as a class and jump into what is on the Father's heart to share. And we can challenge each other, help each other out, strengthen each other up to step more into allowing the Lord to move, allowing the Lord to speak to us directly on this. And as well, for those that um, are a part of the class, please bring your How to Fast Safely and Successfully book 
And for anyone who is a member of Frontline and wants to learn more about fasting but isn't a current um, student in the part of the Daniel class, uh, please come see me and I can let you know how to get hold of this book. Um, and then one other thing as well, not this week, but in coming weeks on January 31st, we will be showing the uh, film Nefeto, which is um, an iris film that they released about what is happening right now with the insurgency in Mozambique. Um, so it's a powerful film about the love of the Lord going out. And so we'll be showing it here at Frontline before Fire and Wind at 6 p.m. on January 31st. So I'd encourage you all to make it out. Um, and the trailer is also there if you'd like to watch it with the QR code. And up on the screen. Since 2017, the insurgency in Mozambique has been blamed for more than 3,000 deaths, with more than 800,000 people displaced and more than one million in need of food aid. There are even reports of beheadings of children as young as 11, 12 years old. Here is Al-Shabaab, a homegrown insurgency now linked to the Islamic State group with a taste for abductions and butchery. Mozambique is a very, very poor country. It's the eighth poorest country in the world. And Cabo Delgado, the northernmost province, is the poorest province in the country. It's a humanitarian crisis that the rest of the world has ignored. Many of our friends have lost their homes. They've been burned down. Others have lost their lives. But we are empowered by love. And because we're empowered by love, we'll continue to go. We're gonna to continue to go low and slow. You can't stop us because love wins. Instead of being overwhelmed by a world filled with so much pain where extremists come and war happens, instead of being overwhelmed by that, we're empowered by the love of a God who is love to stop for the one in need. Amen. What a beautiful morning. What a beautiful morning. Yay. <laughs> what a privilege it is to be here. What an honor.
to be able to worship our King in spirit and in truth and just present our little selves to him, just saying, here I am. I'm just a little person. Here's my little life. You're so big. And may his majesty and grandeur just be biggie-sized, if you will, in our minds, in our hearts, in our emotions, in our wills, in all parts of us as our spirits rise to influence our soul. And that's where we are, processing through this life, journeying through to know Jesus and make him known. I'm part of a prayer team for uh, what's going on in, in northern uh, Mozambique. <clears throat> and I just invite you to join me in that. If you don't know too much about this, it doesn't matter. Just come on Tuesday the 31st, and it's a Tuesday fire and wind time. <clears throat> um, we'll try to begin the film at the, at the very beginning so that children can go to their classes but we would like to have the junior high here watching this so that we can increase our perspective and also join in to what God wants to do. The stories of people who are um, just overcome by Jesus excites me more than anything. They don't go to any self-help. There are no psychologists. There are no special groups. There, are, there is no counseling other than biblically, here's the word, here's Jesus. Not only is he going to free you from yourself, he's going to free you from the devil who has come to torment and, tor and uh, traumatize you. It's just amazing to me. And people are growing and they're becoming overwhelmed with, with Jesus. They're getting baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit in going out to help rescue others. I like that, because it's possible. So I invite you to, to ask your friends and families to come. Just come. It's a short film. It's only about 55, 54, 50 something minutes. And uh, we will take an offering. There are some special projects that we know about that we would like to sow into to, to help, that it would go directly there and not anyplace else. So come with that heart. That would be great. Um, one thing I wanted to add <clears throat> to what Troy was saying, beautiful communion, Troy. When Troy was going through the scripture and he was uh, reading much to us, I loved it. One scripture, well, the whole, the whole text is great. But in Ephesians 3.10, it's so, so, so strong because the Lord indicates that the intent of all of this here on this earth, <clears throat> as we draw in close to the Lord, is to release the manifold wisdom of God so it might be made known by the church Who's, who's the church? Is that us? Amen. To the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Is that another place? 
Yes. Is that a place that invades here? Yes. Do we know what the manifold wisdom of God is? Come next week. I'll share a little bit more. But the Lord wants us to rise. He wants us to rise and display the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers. So when we're in a war, which we are in, and it's growing, we remain in rest in his presence. We cry, we soak, we worship the Lord. And then we become very aware of all the keys that God gives us to be able to display the manifold wisdom of God and see what God will do. If we are not using all of our keys, we're just foolish because the Lord made it known. It's in his word. And it will cost us something. I had something else prepared. I'm not going to go into it, Andy. (laughs) For this moment, I believe the Lord is transitioning right now to a special message from Pastor Bell. But I really want to encourage you today to ask the Lord, Lord, would you give me what I need to begin fasting? Simple, period, without any thought in your mind, I'm on a ladder, I'm in surgery, I'm in this, I'm in that. Nothing else. Don't put your life in that question at all. Doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. That I know personally. So may I offer that to you, and we'll talk more about it next week. But I'm 100% absolutely sure in the spirit that he's calling this place to step in wholeheartedly in fasting. If you attempted it and did it for a while, so to speak, but it's not become your, your current lifestyle and growing, then you're missing some of the keys. And we're all in this together. So that's what I'm asking. And that's whether you're a baby Christian just starting out or you've been a Christian for 30 years or more, whatever. I'm asking you to do that because I, he's told me that. This is a call. This is a mandate on this ministry. And it's very important, okay? Because we'll keep going. So that, that's what I would suggest to you. And don't wait, because when you are in the presence like this, it's not a big, I didn't hear the Lord, he didn't tell me. It's a mandate, because Jesus says, when you fast. So some of us fast a little bit, as little as possible, because we, we haven't learned how to beat our stomach down where our desires down. But the Lord is wanting to increase us for the manifold wisdom of God to to be made known. Amen? Amen. But I want to thank God for um, the 100 hours of prayer and worship intercession. Wasn't that amazing? Thank you to all who came out in the middle of the night. Thank you to all who came out at all. Thank you to the worship teams. Thank you to the leaders, intercession leaders. Thank you to all those who put together everything in the back. So grateful. And I absolutely know that we were making the manifold wisdom of God known. 
in pleasing Jesus. I've been wrecked for quite a while here. So I'm still wrecked. <laughs> Let us be wrecked. You know the old bus we used to have that was black that said wrecked on the outside? Remember that? And then we'd take that downtown and people would get out of the bars and go, hey man, that's really cool. It's like a black church bus. I said, oh, you guys, what are you? With orange carpet inside and said wrecked on the outside. That drew a lot of people. The Lord says, I want to wreck you so much on the inside that you will be that bus. Amen. So last week, that was just so glorious. I'm so grateful. We have so many testimonies from that. And I want to draw your attention, I don't really have to, to these beautiful paintings. Mackenzie did the first one, very beautiful spiritual painting. Thank you so much. Prophetic art, which, again, we have done for many years in the past, and we're resurrecting again in another, a, a new way. And I just thank God. There's deeper revelation. Um, it's just a better timing to bring it back in. We've always believed in and quote-unquote done prophetic art with the children too, but we're introducing that in another way. So I'm very excited about that. So thank you. And Peter's wonderful, I think it's kind of self-explanatory with the blood-red roots. It's right there. Is Mackenzie here? Kenzie, come here for a second. You can just share briefly what the Lord um, spoke to you so that she can tell you. You may look at that and go, what's that mean? And that's okay because she was in the spirit getting it and, and painted that. So if you don't mind, I'm just uh, share what you were seeing. Um, so this is the earth, and then in the center of it is the... Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's the earth and um, actually as I was painting it and going um, this is like the natural realm and then the outer part is the spirit realm and I think what the Lord was speaking was that we need to draw close to his spirit in the secret place um, where people don't see like that's where God is moving in people's hearts um, seeds are planted and he's moving and then as you draw close to his spirit your tree will grow and you'll bear fruit and like this big tree is up in the spirit it's seeing in the spirit because its roots are down deep where people don't see um so that's kind of what i saw it's beautiful peter anything you want to add to what i said about the blood roots okay just so you know, in the back, we have tons of prophetic art. We just need our new building to put it in. <laughs> We've run out of room. Um, you know, the oaks of righteousness, they are the plantings of the Lord. And our roots are deep, and they're strong. And um, they, have to be, they have to be as big as what's seen above. And that's very important. And the beauty of a, an oak tree is that it grows very slow, but it grows very strong. And so that it can endure the, the trials and the tests. And, and, and really the essence of this painting is uh, we're rooted and grounded in love, but there's no greater love that we've ever seen than someone would lay down his life for his friends. And we know that Jesus shed his blood 
And if I can root my life in anything, it's the blood of Jesus because it's in the blood of Jesus that I have power to do anything. And from there, the blood and the spirit are one. And you see that in the, in the blueness of the roots. And uh, that's what I want my life to be. I want it to be rooted and grounded in love, but I want it to have the power of the spirit of God. And so um, you, know, you speak about fasting. It's, uh, it's beautiful because I'm very thankful that the Lord is resurrecting that in many of us. I look forward to going into that season uh, more and more in Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. Okay. I'm going to release the children to kingdom land and have Pastor Bill Smith. Father, we thank you for what you've done for our hearts already this morning. Pray that every person has received a drink of your spirit. And God added to their willing spirit. It will open them for everything you're going to say during this time. We thank you that you are the teacher. We're all learning. We all want to hear from you, or we wouldn't be here. So, Father, we give you glory today. We honor your name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. We're doing that already this morning. We're bowing before you, giving you glory, singing holy, 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 you are the only one fully holy. And then you can make us holy, Father. Able to enter into heaven, be with you. Able to be intimate with you here on the earth. Because of Jesus, his blood, paying the cost that we could hear your voice clearly and go and be with you when we die. So much that you've done, Jesus. Thank you. Holy Spirit, teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I thought I'd start out real easy on you <clears throat> at the beginning of the year. This is the first time I've spoken at the beginning of this year. So I thought I would talk about sin. You know, just... Nice and easy. So we're going to go to Genesis 3. I realized I've never taught on this passage before. That's a travesty. Have to get that in before I go to heaven. Genesis 3. What's that? It's not eminent? Oh, okay. Well, I'm not rushing it. <laughs> Okay, sure. Uh, 
On this flyer, it says 6 p.m., but it should be 7 p.m. Okay, that's officially done. Okay. Genesis 3, now the serpent was more cunning than any animal of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God really said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. For God knows that on the day that you eat from, eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. <clears throat> when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took some of the fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves waist coverings. Now they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. So he said, And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to, gave to be with me, she gave me some of the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you, more than all the livestock and more than any animal of the field on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will make enemies of you and the woman and of your offspring and her descendant. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel." To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall deliver children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. With hard labor you shall eat from it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, yet you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now the man named his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all the living, and the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might reach out with his hand and take fruit also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden 
to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Interesting, it wasn't until he listened to this woman that Eve was named. So he had a no-name wife until after sin. That's kind of interesting. You don't think that's interesting? I think that's interesting. She didn't even have a name. What do you say, wife? Woman? You go around just, you're supposed to be in close relationship, you're in communion with God, and she doesn't even have a name. Interesting. A number of other things that I noticed. How did Satan enter into this garden? How did it come about that Satan was able to be in the Garden of Eden? Why couldn't God put the flaming cherubim, you know, with the flaming sword in front of the, the entrance to the Garden of Eden? Keep Satan out. Why didn't he keep Satan out? It's a rhetorical question. I wasn't asking you to answer it. I think love takes a choice, doesn't it? It takes having a choice. He was allowed in the Garden of Eden. Not necessarily welcomed, but he was allowed. Remember, he had been kicked out of heaven. Satan was shot down out of heaven like lightning. I mean, it was immediate. As soon as he sinned, as soon as he rebelled, Maybe while it was being formed in his heart, God booted him from heaven. He can't be in God's presence with sin. And so he had to find a new home, and, you know, we know that he's able to be on the earth then. And so why not try to get another rebellion going? You've got a third of the angels that were kicked out of heaven with you, why not start another rebellion with God's creation? And so he came to Eve. Notice that he came to Eve when she was by herself. He didn't come to Eve when she was with her husband. He didn't come to Eve when she was walking in the garden with the God of the universe and beyond. He came to her alone. That's when the enemy comes to us, right? When we're alone. Often. When we're alone. It's one of his strategies. We know that the serpent was Satan uh, because in the book of Revelation it, it tells us that he's a serpent. He's not named here as Satan, I don't think. Maybe I should reread it and make sure. But we know from the book of Revelation that Satan is the serpent. Why wasn't Eve afraid of this snake? There are a few women in here. We've had this challenged in Africa, and some are not afraid of snakes. 
That's got to be the power of the Holy Spirit. Snakes make me jump a little bit. I'm not necessarily going to run from them, but they make me jump a little bit. There's certain animals that make you jump. Snakes might be one of them. There are other women that, you know, are afraid of snakes. Why wasn't Eve, even the slightest, startled by a snake in the garden? Well, for one thing, fear had not entered into the heart of man yet. No fear. Think of that. You're in the Garden of Eden, and it's beautiful, it's gorgeous, and you're walking with God and so on, but there's nothing to be afraid of. A lion could come up, after, you know, come up beside you, and you wouldn't have any fear of that lion. You wouldn't have any fear of a dog, a rabid dog. No, no rabbit. There was no rabies. No rabies. So there were no rabbit dogs. There were no dogs that were mean. None. So she's not even the slightest afraid of a snake. And a talking snake. Not even afraid of it. That must have been quite a world where you are not afraid because there's no death. No death. There's nothing to be afraid of. The lion is not going to bite you because you're not his food at that point in time. You're not, he's not going to come after you. You're a ruler over him. There's no death, so he can't kill you. He can't rip you to shreds. There's no fear because there's no death. Wow, what a world. We had it made in the shade, and really the shade. You know, if you're naked, you, know, you want lots of shade. There's just some interesting things here that I had never thought about. No fear. Not afraid. You're not even thinking about the fact that you're naked. Not even thinking about that. It's not even a, a problem at all. Well, for one thing, there's no other people there. But that wasn't why they weren't ashamed of being naked in a garden. Some interesting positives to being in the presence of God without sin involved, without death involved, without fear involved. That's where we're headed, is a place where none of this that we have to deal with now exists. But we had it and we lost it. Back then, our ancestors gave it up easily. All Eve's needs were met. Why did she need one more piece of fruit? Think about it. It's God's garden. He created it. You don't think there was abundant fruit? When they went into the promised land, they couldn't even carry some of the fruit one man. They had to have it on a, like a pole where two men carried the fruit. It was so abundant in the promised land. This is after sin. What was the fruit like in the Garden of Eden? Must have been massive. And you've got to think about one tree. You've got to have that extra tree. 
It's like you have a whole garage full of Maseratis. And you've got to have that one Lamborghini. You just have to have it. You just got to, got to have it. You can't even drive all the Maseratis, but you want the Lamborghini added onto your collection, or you just don't feel satisfied. So she's alone. She's away from her husband, her companion in life, whom she was taken out as a rib and turned into a person. She's away from her creator, God, the one of all wisdom. And she steps into, wow, I might be missing out. This whole garden is around her. The presence of God is around her. This beautiful, beautiful place with no sin, no fear, no death, and you need one more car, one more thing to add to your life. The only way she knew it was no on that tree was from Adam, probably. I don't know that the Lord God discussed it with her personally. It doesn't say he did. He told Adam in the previous chapter, then the Lord God took the man, verse 15, chapter 2, and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to tend it. Now think of this. How much work did you really have to do in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and tend it? And these plants just pop out of the ground. The fruit just pops off the trees. So how do you tend it? You just kind of go up and tap it, you know. There it is. Wow. Okay, looking good. Hey, this one looks good. Hey, th this tree's doing fine. Hey, everything in this garden's doing great. Okay, I'll report to God. Everything in the garden is still perfect. That's your tending and that's your cultivating. Real tough job. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, this is verse 16, from any tree of the garden you may freely eat. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For on that day that you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, this is probably the first warning ever given in the Garden of Eden to the man. First time, he gets a warning. One warning, not 712 warnings. Not all the warnings out of the Bible that we know of now. He had one. One warning. And so, of course, when Eve was taken out of his side and made into the no-name woman, <laughs> he told her, it's only one thing, one warning, just one, here in the Garden of Eden. Well, what, did it, what is it, my, my hero, my king? Don't touch that tree in the middle of the garden. Oh, which one? See that one over there? That's why we're over here. That one. Don't touch it. So when she speaks with Satan, she calls it the tree in the middle of the garden. She doesn't call it the tree of good and evil or name it or anything. She generalizes it. Yeah, that one we're not supposed to touch. That's a 
big mistake when you're talking to the enemy, but she's not afraid of the enemy. She doesn't know the enemy is the enemy. He slithers in. He looks like just another animal. Now, if he'd come in as a dark angel, that might have given her a slight pause. Let's see. Glorious God that we walk with and dark angel. Never seen a dark angel before, but she'd certainly seen a snake. So he comes in camouflaged. He comes in disguised. Slithers in, just kind of like slow. Doesn't even have feet, you know. Just slithers in. Maybe wraps himself around a tree, as you see in a lot of the depictions. And just speaks. Now, what voices has Eve heard? Let's see. God heard his voice. They walked with him in the midst of the garden, in the middle of the garden. And her husband. Wow. Two voices is all she's heard. And they have both been good for her. She's fully protected. She's fully taken care of. When God's presence comes close, she feels that complete father. She doesn't have sin, remember? She feels him at the depths of any human heart has ever felt God. She felt God as father. Felt God as protector. Felt God with his 700, name, 700 plus names and titles. Every one of them she felt to the max because she had no sin to screw it up, to ask the wrong questions, to have doubt. None of it. So she's experienced God at the purest level that man can experience him until Holy Spirit. We'll get to that. And yet, she listens to the third voice. We have voices in our life. God chooses to speak to us in so many different ways, we can't even list them all. He speaks out of his word. He speaks to our spirit and speaks, you know, from within when he speaks. He speaks out of his presence. He speaks out of worship. See, not all of what God does to speak to us are in words. He can impact us as a form of speaking in a number of ways. Dreams, visions, pictures, words still small voice of the Holy Spirit. When worship overwhelms us, he's speaking to us. It's, it's an atmosphere that he's speaking to our spirit. Our spirit doesn't necessarily need words. It needs encounter. It needs experience with, experiences with him. All the things we were told, maybe in other places where Christians gathered, you can't trust that. 
you might get off. You might go in the wrong direction if you start listening for the voice of God. You need to be in the word of God. Well, how do we understand the word of God if we don't listen to the voice of God? If we don't listen to the Holy Spirit who is speaking to us, giving us encounters where he speaks through the encounters, speaks through worship, speaks in an atmosphere. Like this morning, it's very quiet. I'm sure you can hear Holy Spirit because it's so quiet in here. I'm kind of feeling a little weird up here because some people, you know, all these questions that I'm talking about. And yet she listens to the third voice. Adam, she knew, was aligned with God. Her husband could count on him. He was lined up with God. But she listens to the third voice. You have voice of the Holy Spirit. You have the Bible. You have logos and rhema, right? All those different encounters and and experiences that you can have with God that if they are from God... They are life for us. We shouldn't be afraid to hear the voice of God. And there are those in the Christian ranks that are afraid to hear the voice of God. They're afraid to have a dream and, oh my, interpret it. Start to interpret it. What child, when they have a dream and they run up to us and they start spouting out the dream and they telling us what their dream is and they want us to say something about it. They want us to tell them what it means or at least enjoy it with them. But in the past, in many places, in the body of Christ, if you had a dream, you were suspect. If you spoke in a language that was from heaven, you are suspect. If you have encounters with God, oh, be careful, you could get off. We've celebrated the encounters here. We've, ex- we've celebrated the experiences here, and we've drawn close enough as a family to help someone when we think they might be ready to take a step off of a dream or a vision or a picture that Holy Spirit might not be encouraging them to do that, that they may have slightly interpreted it wrongly. There are leaders here that can speak into lives. Pray with people over their dreams, visions, pictures, encounters, experiences. Come alongside and help. And then you start making supernatural decisions. Because you have the counsel. You have the wisdom that God gives through counsel. You have his presence. You have his word. You can get these things lined up and you can be in alignment with his heart. Eve had all of that and just kind of threw it to the side because of a slithering (laughs) new actor in the garden. He slithers in when his prey is alone. He questions God's character. Questions what God says. He questions what God has done. 
He basically said to Eve, you're being set up because <laughs> you're missing out. You know, it looks like you got everything in this garden. You don't have it all. Let me make that clear to you. And he gave you this threat of death. Come on, do you see any death around here? There aren't any animals dying. There aren't any trees dying. The fruit doesn't rot on the tree. He's lying. God is lying to you. Now, we look at this and, we, <laughs> and you go, I know how she fell for this. I fell for this. I've fallen for this many times. And Satan has various ways of lying. He doesn't just pick one. He has a bold-faced lie. He has the twisting of truth. And he gives half-truths. Did you notice when we read through this where it says about, um, let's see, You will know good and evil, Satan says to her. You will know good and evil. Later on, because they knew good and evil, they had to leave the garden. What's God's plan for us? What's God's plan? Was God's plan for Adam and Eve? To know only good. Not the evil part. God's the only one that can handle the evil part. We can't handle the evil part. We get tempted by it. You would think we wouldn't. If we have a relationship with God, if we are close in his presence and have that, you know, walk in his presence, the Holy Spirit within, which Eve didn't have, we have the Holy Spirit within to keep us from sin. Eve didn't have that. She didn't have that advantage. She could walk with God in the garden, but the Holy Spirit... God himself didn't dwell inside Eve. No excuse for Eve, because she could have run off to her father right there. Hey, you think you wouldn't hear? <laughs> no matter how, whether she whispered it, hey, God would hear. Please, Father, come here. I need you to meet someone. <laughs> or even just at that time, the husband. Hey, Adam, you've got a name. Come over here to your no-name wife. Help me out. Met this new actor in the garden. She didn't do either one. She had all she needed. She didn't have Holy Spirit living within, but she had all she needed to make the right choice here. Never think that Eve was set up by God to make the wrong choice. No. She could have chosen to love him. Love God. That's our choice. When it comes down, when we're tempted. Oh, we haven't talked about the process of sin. Temptation, right? He tempted Eve. Here's a lie. Will you believe it? Here's something you don't have. Do you want it? Come on down. You can have it. If you'll just forget to listen to God, 
Just disobey God. Just not listen to his voice. Just forget God for a minute. Come on. He's putting you under some kind of tyrant thing here. You can't experience everything in the garden. What, what's he, the creator? Why does he have a say in it? Live a little. Rebel a little. Sin a little. Not going to hurt you? You might get some real good stuff out of it. A new Lamborghini to add to your Maseratis. So temptation. Then we make the mistake. We look or we continue to look. I was thinking about pastors. Why so many are toppling from their posts? Why are so many falling into sin? Think about it. They go into a counseling session and they hear people's problems. They hear all about the sin that they're involved in and how they feel trapped and captured and they can't get out of it and they're addicted and can't, can't, can't go any farther in life because I can't handle this and I want, I want God but I'm doing this. Instead, I shouldn't be doing this. How, how is this happening? I know about Holy Spirit. I know Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. And they hear that day after day, week after week. And the enemy goes, see, you might as well give up. In some cases. There's other problems as well, but you might as well give up. People aren't getting changed. Holy Spirit inside is not enough for people. The Garden of Eden, the way God set it up, wasn't enough for Eve and Adam. It's not enough to have Holy Spirit. He can't really cure the problems in people. You've prayed for deliverance in your office and they're not delivered. You might as well give up. Give in. Cave in. Then they counsel, you know, the beautiful woman or whatever. And they're tempted. And they need to rely on Holy Spirit and not think, well, everybody else, ah, it's not working. God's plan isn't working. Maybe that doesn't even come to mind. They just are downtrodden, discouraged, or whatever it might be. They're not thinking of Holy Spirit. How wonderful he is. They've been doing ministry and getting tired. Or whatever. But there's no excuse, is there? No excuse. However Satan comes in, whoever he comes into, leaders or anyone. Because we have all we need. But if we are tempted, then we look. We take action on the temptation. We look. We desire, we want it. Kind of put Holy Spirit to the side, keep him away like Adam and Eve hid from God. They, you desire, then you take or you step into the sin. Sometimes to feel better, you want to involve other people. It's called the bandwagon. 
peer pressure. The more, the merrier. You want to have them join in with your sin because you feel better somehow having a group involved in that. Why are there crack dens? Why is it a den? Crack houses. It's not usually one person in a crack house. Why? Because misery loves company. And if you're miserable and you're doing things you shouldn't be doing and you still have that conscience, if there's some little conscience there or you were a believer at one point and you just kind of chucked everything, Holy Spirit's still convicting you of sin according to John 16. That's one of his jobs. And it's not to condemn, it's to redeem. He wants to pull you out of whatever it might be that's pulling you down. More the merrier. Then you hide from the presence of God. And when questioned, God takes his glasses down like this and he questions you. So were you at the scene of the crime when you took from the tree? Yes, I, well, well uh, <clears throat> it was my wife. She gave it to me. Now, if I was God, I would have put him through a whole lot more examination than he put him through. Like, so did she tell you it was from the tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden? She'd tell you it was from the tree of the good and, good and evil? Or did she just give you a piece of fruit? How culpable are you here? Did you ask any questions when she gave you the fruit? She says, now this isn't from the middle of the garden, is it? This isn't from the tree of the good and evil, is it? But God just very simply, once he caught them, once they, isn't it interesting? I don't know if you caught this. I just thought it was interesting. Um, then the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Now, he's not shouting this. God is asking him the question, I think, in his presence. Right, he's right with Adam. He says, where are you? He's right with God. Because God just says, I heard a sound of you in the garden. No, Adam says, I heard a sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And then God just asked him another question. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you to, not to eat? See, God knows where Adam is. He knows that he's already eaten from the tree. He's having a conversation with Adam in his presence, and the first thing he says is, where are you? Where in the world have you fallen to? Do you know what this means for the rest of humanity? You don't know what the future is, do you? You have no idea what this is going to do to billions of people, do you? Where are you, Adam? You're far away from me, even though you're right here. You are so far away from me. Sin has separated us. There might as well be the Grand Canyon between us or from earth to moon between us. 
because you've made that gap. But he, you know, he, he's God. He's Father, so he's not yelling like I am. But in the one statement, where are you? See, when we're in sin, that's what God asks us. Where are you? He doesn't say, why are you sinning? He's already got that figured out. We go through this process of, of sin. We're subject to it because of Adam and Eve. We have no excuse because he's redeemed us. He's put Holy Spirit into us to convict us, just like he does the world of sin. He convicts us of sin. What are you doing? Where are you? Are you where you're supposed to be? Are you close to me? Are, are you with me right now? Or are you wanting to step in to that, open that door and step into that Lamborghini? Why are you doing that? Why have I not provided for you? In that one statement, there are a thousand questions that we could ask ourselves. God doesn't ask. He just says, where are you? Why would you leave my love? Why would you leave my protection? Why would you leave the umbrella I have put over you? Why? But he asks, where are you? He's right with Adam, but Adam might as well be a million miles away because he's allowed sin to come in and separate. So the last step of the process of sin is, of course, well, next to the last step, justify yourself when you're caught. Adam and Eve were caught before God ever said anything because their eyes were opened. The enemy's half-truth. Your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God. Oops, the last part was a lying promise. You won't be like God. You'll be less like God. You were made in God's image. You were at the top of the top, the peak of the peak, and you slid all the way to the bottom for one piece of fruit, the satisfaction of that. And to disobey God, and now you have a sense of evil. And if you have a sense of evil, you can step into it easily. Know good and evil. To know it, you have to experience. To know good, we have to experience it, right? Encounter good. We have to encounter good with God. We have to get close to him. We have to have the experiences that maybe some say, oh, I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to have an encounter with God. Well, you're missing life itself. The presence, being in the presence. We say that how many times here every meeting? Oh, we want to be in the presence. We want to be in the presence. That's what Adam and Eve should have wanted. Call him over. Cry out to him. Bring him into the conversation. With Satan, you don't know who's behind that voice, behind that camouflage of a snake. He's not going to come in necessarily start screaming at you at first to get you on a path of sin. He's going to come in and slither, ask questions, 
Just ask a question. You get a chance to answer. Oh, well, we just can't touch or partake of that tree. Maybe something in Eve should have figured out that you can't even touch the tree. It wasn't that she ate the fruit. You weren't supposed to touch the tree. And she probably had to travel from where she was over to the tree. She actually had to take some steps towards it. And God gives us that opportunity in those steps towards sin to turn back around. And after we've sinned, he gives us a chance to turn back around. It's called repentance. But before we, we sin, often there are a couple steps we have to take before it's a slide. And in those steps, she could have thought, oh, my father's been so good to us. All the goodness of God could have gripped her heart. I don't need this. Who are you anyway? Adam, God, come here. I need you to meet someone. I need you to talk to them. And that's from male or female. We're not just talking about Eve as a woman. We're talking about Eve as a human. So they both make their excuses. Uh, she gave it to me. And Eve says, the snake deceived me. Were either one of those able to keep the curse away from Adam and Eve, all of mankind, even a curse on the snake? A lot of cursing going on after, after this happened. Were any of those excuses any good before God? What makes us think any of ours are any good? His goodness is so good. His spirit is so incredible. He has a life laid out for us that we can't even imagine. A destiny and a legacy for those that follow. Don't you want to win your family to Jesus? Then you have to stay away from sin. You have to be in God's presence. You have to say, his presence, I love it more than what the enemy wants me to do or my own flesh wants to do. And if they match up, the two of them, my weak flesh and the enemy, then it takes every bit of the wooing and the convicting and the love of the Holy Spirit to help me escape from that before I take a step. Because my spirit's willing, and if it matches up with Holy Spirit, it gets empowered, and I, don't, I can say no. How many have said no to sin? At some point, you've said no to sin, once, twice, or a billion times. Of all of us have if you're in this room. Because you believe God empowers people or you wouldn't be here. You'd be out empowering yourself and just going ahead and living a life of sin. We know in this room, sin brings death. God was right. Satan was wrong. It doesn't bring us a likeness of God. She wasn't appreciating the fact that he made 
her in his image. You know, when, just think about it. If he took the rib from Adam and made her into Chewbacca, okay? That wouldn't be in God's image. But he took the rib from Adam and made her into God's image. Jesus walked as a man, and we see that he wasn't, he wasn't upset about being in the form of a man. Incredible. He's God. Wouldn't you say, I'm not, I'm not living in that trash heap. No, it was made, we were made in the image of God, so he wasn't that upset about it. He was willing to limit himself as God to live in human form. But it wasn't like repulsive to him because we're made in God's image. You are made in God's image. We can celebrate that even now, even though Adam and Eve didn't. We can celebrate that. We have an identity in Jesus Christ. We have an image in Jesus Christ. We look like Jesus, especially if we're filled with Holy Spirit and on fire for him. We kind of resemble Jesus. We're in human form. He was in human form. Holy Spirit was in, is inside of us. He was inside Jesus. Some of you should be a little more excited. I want to look like Jesus more. So I can't fall for sin. And if I do, I need to repent right away. Repent. Turn around and say, no, I'm going back to my father. What did the Luke 15, the prodigal do? Saw. What kind of, oh, this is where this has brought me? My self-rule, my, my independence? Some people tell their parents when they're teenagers, I just want to make my own mistakes. One of the most stupid things you could possibly say. That's like Eve. That's like Adam. I want to make my own mistakes. God, so you just stay over there. And Adam, you stay over there. And I'll go deal with this snake myself. Because I'm not afraid of anything in the garden. There's no fear here. So I think I can kind of handle things from here, God, if you don't mind. Stupidest thing ever said. But we don't have to be a teenager to say it. We kind of say it when we decide to sin rather than be close in our father's family. When we decide to talk about people in our father's family. Tear them down rather than build them up. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> they're from the other side of the tracks. You know, you know what that means. Jesus had all kinds of people on his team. <laughs> he didn't say to one, you're on the other side of the tracks. He, the woman at the well who was from Samaria, you're on the other side of the tracks, but I'm willing to come out here because it's ministry. He loved Everyone, before it was fashionable to love Gentiles, Jesus 
crossed that bridge long before any human did. And we need him. She didn't know how much she needed God. Adam had the same deal. He could have said, no, this is not what we do as a couple. Negative agreement in couples causes such grief in the body of Christ. Yeah, we, we think this is right because we prayed about it. Really? Because you two prayed about it, it's right. You need to hear about it first before you say, we're going to both go on this road. Because the two of you have a power within you because you're supposed to be what? One. And you can think, oh, well, there's two of us here. And, you know, two of us aren't going to make a big mistake. Are you kidding me? Do you see Adam and Eve? There were two of them. One of them could have said, no, 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 I'm going to follow God. But because they agreed, they thought they were okay for about one millisecond until they felt shame. Why did they feel shame and God wasn't even right there? wasn't right there because they hid from him why did they feel shame why did they suddenly look at themselves and say we need clothes we need something to cover ourselves we're vulnerable here now we're weak the moment that Sin came in, they were separated from God. You only feel confident. You only feel strong. You only feel powerful. You only feel full, complete when you're in good relationship with God. As soon as they disobeyed, they were separating themselves from God. That's the big problem with sin. We're separated from God. He can forgive any sin. But if we continue to sin, we continue to be far away from him. We were meant to be walking in the garden with him, walking close with him. Can you see them hand in hand with God? Can you see them? What would they talk about? What would God talk about with them? the creator of everything, walking with them. What would he talk about with them? What kind of subjects could he bring up that would blow their minds? See all this? I created this. Adam, do you remember? I told you, I created you out of dust. I created all this out of nothing. For you, eh, used a little dust. Eve, Remember, I pulled a rib out of Adam. So he'd be missing that part, and you'd have to be so close together, you'd be one. 
pulled it out and I created you. And guess what? You're co-ruling here in the garden. One of the curses was that the woman was not co-ruling anymore. It took the redemption of Jesus to bring that back. But we'll talk about that another time because this is going to be kind of a series. I just threw out a bunch of things today to see what would stick to the spiritual wall, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go into Father, we thank you, Lord. I pray, God, you would give us more revelation from this chapter, God, to protect us in your presence from foolish thinking. Sin's no big deal. It doesn't cause any grief. It's just me. It just bothers me. It just hurts me. I'm not hurting other people. It just hurts me. Father, lies, lies, lies that we believe at times. Thank you for Holy Spirit that clears all that up inside of us. We are not to live in shame. We are not to live in condemnation. We are to live in forgiveness. But God, help us value that forgiveness. It was paid for at a price. It's paid for at a price, a price. Of our Jesus dying. Do we hear it too much that we take it for granted? Eve took for granted all that was around her in the garden to bless her. that God was right there to commune with, to walk with, must have taken it for granted because she wanted something more. More than you, Father? Some of us struggle with walking with you in the garden now, and we have Jesus that has paid the price so we could do that every day. We could do that every moment. We could be in an ongoing conversation with you just like Adam and Eve in the garden. And we struggle because now sin has entered into the world. Death has entered into the world. Fear has entered into the world. We struggle with those things, God, now. We have Holy Spirit to wipe them off the map if we're willing to believe, we're willing to stand on the top of the mountain which is you, the rock. Stand on you. We can enter in. We can walk with God in a new garden, the garden of redemption. God, you were awfully merciful to give Eve the name Eve after she sinned because it means living means life, means she's the mother of everything living. And you still honored her with an upbeat name in a pretty downer situation, God, where you were going to pass out curses for all of mankind 
because of her sin and Adam's sin. Jesus, you're that merciful. You're that gracious. You're that loving to us. You give us a new name in heaven when we don't always feel like we're much of a warrior here on earth. You already give us that name. The day we're redeemed, you give us a new name in heaven, not after we've proven ourselves. Thank you for your mercy and grace and love for us, God. May we appreciate it far more when we look back to a couple that threw it away, took it for granted, entered into the human condition at its worst. God, we have every opportunity to rebel against temptation, to rebel against sin. We can rebel against the right source. We can rebel against Satan. You're not my father. You're the father of lies. I rebel against you. I want to live only in Jesus. I want to kick you in the teeth. I want to stomp your head into the ground because Jesus did. I want to keep on stomping. I don't want to let you resurrect. You give us the power to do that, God. We thank you for that. We bless your name today. We want to grow in gratefulness so we don't grow in sin. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, what a great message. Um, this morning earlier, I um, felt the Lord was saying the things that I, I'm giving you to, to do will hold. And I thought, okay, Lord, it'll be next week. Well, one of those things was uh, to play a certain song. And I thought, well, maybe it is next week, Lord. I really don't know because I really want to, anyway, desire to live listening to his voice when we do what we do. So earlier this week, the Lord kept impressing upon me a certain song that actually was a song that was played so many years ago when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And even before I knew what that was. <clears throat> and so back then, I was in a great big assembly, and a guest songist at that time came in to the church I was part of, and started playing this, and I was lost in worship. And I um, believed that God was saying at that time that this is for you. So my whole face was lit up. I guess it was glowing. So when I went up there, and um, the Lord was you know, speaking and singing so loudly, I went up to the front, and the guy said, I saw you in the middle of this sea of people because I, I was just so overcome. And I said, you did? And he says, yes, your face was bright red and it was glowing. And he knew I was very much in love with Jesus and I was just baptized at that time. I want to play this because it was on my heart all week and I was worshiping to the Lord. And I thought, well, maybe there's more of a modern version. 
So I, I checked and looked for it. And the one part in this, in this little song, it's a little song, that was changed, I thought, I can't have that. It's not right. Not because I can't change, but because it's not right. And so, though none go with me, yet I, I still will follow. That was taken out. And I thought, whoa, that's not right. So in the, in the back, I was getting some hot water, and Michelle met me. Pastor Bill was um, preaching here. And she said, you know, there's this song that's been on my heart. Now, this is an old song. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And, and you know that one part, though none go with me, I still will follow? I just looked at her. And I said, thank you, Lord. You want that today, not next week. Isn't that amazing? The Lord is so good. He's so gracious. He's so kind. And, you know, when we're in agreement with something, the powers of hell can't touch us. I mean, they can, they can beat us, beat us up, but they can't get through, okay? And so um, one thing when Pastor Bill was talking about it's, don't move forward without this agreement, you know, I think particularly between husband and wife. The, the thing that's inferred, what's inferred there is that when they're in agreement with him, because if you're not in agreement with him, you don't move forward. You understand your role as husband and wife. I'm not going to get into that right now. But that's the important component. Don't close your ears to that. And he said it in his message, but in that statement, that's inferred. So there are, you know, times where the Lord will use, many times actually in a marriage, he will use the actual situation and decision to expose strong control, strong resistance, strong flesh, strong, 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 the various things. So when we are in agreement with the very spirit of God, then we are in the safest place. Many times we will hold back and go, uh, no, because the Holy Spirit is saying, don't agree, don't move on either side, okay? Or we'll just say, okay, 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 because we are not listening to Holy Spirit and we're following what's not Holy Spirit. That's just as deadly. And so Adam and Eve, you know, he talked all about that, what that was like. So just make sure that you're very clear that that was spoken out in this message, that following Holy Spirit together is the best case scenario, and God will bring that to pass. Because control is probably one of the strongest things inside of us, and we don't see it. Because we want to do it our way, what we think what we feel, and what we say. Amen? So to help that, I wanted to mention that so that when we sing this song together, I hope, hopefully you'll be able to see the words behind it. Because if you guys remember Brother Yoon, who was tortured for his faith, he came here a few years ago, uh, uh, the heavenly man, Chinese evangelist and apostle, remember? And that was one of the biggest joys and privileges for us to have this 
probably one of the one of God's favorite. We're all God's favorite, but he really knows him well. Uh, was able to visit us and be here. And he came up front and he said, this is my anthem. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And the Chinese persecuted Christians would sing this to their death. So read the words. Hopefully you'll be able to see them. I've just had my little cell phone. We're going to play it twice. And if the conviction of Holy Ghost is on you, okay, then just sing it with all your heart and say, you've got me. And he's going to challenge our resistance of what we, you know, say we want to do, feel we want to do. Our no's will be turned into yeses. I guarantee it. Changed my life. Not a song, but my agreement with this. Shortly after I was saved, and I've never forgotten it. So be blessed with that today. Okay, Andy, thanks. I have decided to follow Jesus. Let me turn the lights off. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The
be on our feet and let's sing this as you're led. To follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Andy, you can turn Jesus. it up a little bit. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross. today and we thank you so much for the great faith in this room we thank you lord that you lead us we thank you holy spirit that we know your voice we thank you holy spirit we're learning more to listen to your voice your will your way your timing we thank you lord that we have presented ourselves today again fresh and new every day and we thank you, Lord, that we leave here filled up to overflowing, covered in your blood, with a bloodline drawn around every person here and their families and extended families. We thank you, Father, that we will make known the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers. And we thank you, Lord, that you equip us to keep our eyes on you 
Help us do an about face where we need to. Help us to humble ourselves under your mighty hand, and you will lift us up in due time. Thank you, Lord. Our lives are not our own. So we thank you, Lord, that we decree this, we declare this, we thank you for this, and we say amen. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a great day. Bye-bye.